This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to the Thought Leaders segment hosted by the Kenyan Wall Street. My name is Ali Mwakaneno Gakweli and I'll be your host for today's show. So we've all seen the COVID-19, I mean, we're in like the 15th variant at this point, and we've seen how much it's, it's disrupted businesses across the world, especially um, when it comes to logistics. And so today we're sitting with Pramod Bagalwadi, who is the CEO of DHL Global Forwarding for Sub-Saharan Africa, to talk about that. And what we specifically want to address is how transport and logistics has been affected during COVID-19. And then later in the conversation, boil down to the African Free Continental Trade Agreement and how exactly it will benefit companies, especially in Africa, through opening borders and making movement of people, goods and services easier. Welcome to the show, Pramod. Thank you, Ali. Appreciate it. Pramod, you're in DHL, so you get to have a first-hand oversight on how COVID-19 has really disrupted logistics, both in Africa and globally, for the good and for the bad. Just to give a feel to our listeners, how do you think COVID-19 has disrupted logistics, especially in Africa? Uh, Ali, COVID has obviously impacted uh, even before going to the logistics sector. Let's look at it from the point of view of common man. It's impacted a common man in every sphere of his activity, right? Uh, Whether it's financial, social, uh, moral, I mean, all, all aspects it has impacted. Now, coming to the logistics part, from my point of view, we have always had disruptions in our industry for many, many reasons in the past. And history confirms that logistics is an important industry which really helps us to come out of the mess as and when we go through. And what COVID has done today is taken it to another level. I'm sure you agree with me when I say this with all humility, COVID has put logistics into a frontline concept where we are really saving lives today like any other frontline saviors you have in this pandemic. So for me, this has really transformed logistics into another level of recognition, which I think we deserve under the given circumstances. So for me, we are really proud as DHL to live our mission and passion under COVID of connecting people and improving lives. And COVID has given us a fantastic opportunity to perform this day in, day out with all the challenges we have had for the last 18 to 19 months. That's the quick overview of what COVID has done. Now, going into specifically for Africa, surely COVID has changed the entire dimension of logistics space in Africa. It created massive shortage in terms of capacity. It created massive spike in terms of pricing. And of course, 
the schedule of the airline and the shipping line went out of the window due to all the challenges we have had. So it had touched all the key verticals of the logistics space, making it very, very difficult for all of us to operate in the continent. What is good for me, it has done a lot of good from my point of view. And when I say that, what I mean is, you know, it brought out the innovative qualities of every organization because every organization had to find ways and means to survive, fight and innovate. So it really brought out the good qualities of agility, resilience, uh, when it comes to innovation, when it comes to digital transformation. All these are good qualities which it really threw up. And we always believed and claimed as a leader in the logistics industry. It also gave us an opportunity to assess ourselves. There's no meaning in simply claiming that we are the leaders if we cannot live up to the expectations. And I'm really proud to say that we did live up to the expectations and we managed and we are still managing this crisis in all spheres of our activities with all the resilience that was needed, that agility that was needed, and bringing in that innovation as well as digital transformation. I think these are the real good qualities that COVID brought to the table. I mean, when I say this, I'm not just saying it for uh, statement sake. I can give you examples in all these spheres how we managed. If you look at the characteristic of agility and resilience. I mean, when COVID hit us in this continent, we had to get everybody operating from home within the shortest possible time. We moved everybody. We moved the equipment into their houses. Within a week's 10 days time, we had 80 to 85% of our staff operating from home, just about four to 5% on the ground and about 4 to 5% in the office. So we had literally no time, but it just confirms how agile, how resilient we were. And when you talk about the uh, digital transformation, I think we were fortunate. It's been a blessing in disguise for us. We had embarked on our strategy 2025, where digital transformation was one of the key pillars. And we had already embarked on this journey a few years ago. Africa was slated to be rolled out somewhere in the early 20s, 2020, because we had to try and test it out in other parts of the world. But when COVID hit us, we all had our share of pessimism saying, how are we going to implement this without really having people fly around, come and hold our hands and implement it in Africa. But believe me, we implemented this new platform, digital transformation platform as per the strategy. In fact, it was rolled out earlier than the plan. Within six to nine months, we rolled out everywhere in every country of Africa. And today we were in a position to survive with this digital platform, making sure 80 to 85% could operate from home, minimizing the exposure they would generally get. 
And lastly, when you talk of innovation, you know, when capacity went out of the window, price was at sky high. We were wondering as to how are we going to help our people in this continent. We had create new solutions and we created a solution called Ubuntu Africa, which is a solution where we were bringing in aircrafts directly from Shanghai to Dubai and from Dubai to every nook and corner of Africa where they needed COVID material, where they needed relief material. And this was all put together within a week's time to ensure we continue these essentials flowing to every nook and corner of the continent. This is, this is why I say this was a big litmus test for our own self. Are we really agile? Are we really resilient? Are we really flexible? Are we really ready for innovation, digital transformation, which are the characteristics of a leader? And today we are proud to say we are, and we are continuously doing this 24-365 without much of a challenge. So these are all the good things it brought about. And I'm sure everybody had to do the same if you have to survive whether it's a small organization or a big organization, the same characteristics have to be observed. Otherwise, you cannot survive under the given difficult conditions. And about the bad, I think it really had, uh, before I go to the bad, I think the other good aspect also for me was this opened up avenues to bring together internal stakeholders as well as external stakeholders. And uh, by doing so, all the government organization and other stakeholders got together to find solutions to fight this pandemic. And by doing so, it really fast-tracked the transformation which we always wanted in our industry in this continent. So that's also a big plus which is coming out of this pandemic. Now, moving on to the uh, ugly part of the virus. For me, health and safety of every individual in the continent is a big concern. And more so for people in our industry, they're all vulnerable, they're all exposed. And as I said before, we are now playing a key role of a frontline warrior. We are really exposed and all our people are exposed to this virus on day in day out basis when they clear the cargo, when they go to their doorstep to deliver, when they go to collect, when they go to process. So they are really exposed. I think for me, this is one of the biggest challenge and the side effect, bad side effect of COVID. Number two, I think it has had its ugly look at the economy. Almost every part of the continent is suffering uh, from the economic point of view and the worst hit the vulnerable ones and when i say vulnerable in our industry i think we must recognize the fact that small and medium scale industry should act as a backbone but they are the most vulnerable sector and they have been most affected from my point of view and they need all the necessary support in order to jump back into the mainstream of activity I know it's been a long answer, but I think it's important to summarize your short question with a detailed answer. 
Uh, thank you, Pramod. Again, I, I'm happy that you touched about Ubuntu and uh, some other mitigation strategies that DHL has has put into place to um, curb the disrupt disruptions of COVID-19. Then I can now freely proceed to the FCFTA. From an internal point of view, we've seen that the, the FCFTA was um, actionalized from the 1st of January this year, and um, it's set to open up borders of African countries to promote intra-regional trade. How best will companies in Africa benefit from more receptive borders under the FCFTA? You know, the concept of community has always been in existence in Africa, right? We have had different types of clusters or community. It's not something which is new to us. I mean, we have had in the past, or we still have, we have in the West, ECOWAS, we have in the East, EAC, we have COMESA, we have SADAC. We have a lot of clusters or like smaller, smaller communities under which we have always been operating to ensure we get some benefit within the cluster, within the community. So it's not a, a, a new phenomena for us to come up with entire continent as one country or one trading block and by creating this entire uh, new trading block we are just opening up the space of 1.2 billion people and almost 3 trillion worth of business available to the entire continent whoever wants to really capitalize it, he is allowed to do so once this is all ratified and implemented. It's already taking good shape. Almost every country has ratified it. I think there's only one country left now to get going, but majority of them have all signed up and it should start moving in the right direction. And if it starts, I think movement, uh, I mean, the, the reduction of uh, duties, I mean, you, if you look at the duty-free status, from from what I understand, almost 90% of the trade is going to enjoy uh, literally tax benefit. It makes it easy for people to move around. And then with new initiatives coming up, I mean, I, I, like take the example again of DHL being innovative. We created during covid a platform called Saludu. And Saludu is a platform where transport movements can happen without wasting space and, 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 and op at the optimum price. I mean, I am sure you understand that in Africa, connectivity is a big challenge and uh, there's a lot of wastage because everybody wants to send a dedicated truck to move from point A to point B although they may be using only half the truck. But what we did is we brought in a marketplace platform where our customers and anybody who wants to come and key in the data there and look for a truck, hire it, move it. Everything happens when you are seated at home and the borders are opening up. So movements within the cluster, within the continent, is going to be much more accessible through these new digital platforms, and it's going to be much more easy for people to manage. And as I said before, 
the intra-Africa business is something which we really need to capitalize because we have always looked at intra-trading uh, blocks, but now we have the entire continent to look for. And when you compare the statistics from uh, between, let's say, the trading blocks of Europe or Asia uh, and Africa, you will realize that our intra-Africa business is just about 17 to 18%, while the intra-Africa business in, uh, in Europe and Asia is somewhere in the vicinity of 60 to 65%. So we have a huge opportunity to capitalize here. And I think all the industries will end up changing their modus operandi on how to capitalize this huge opportunity which is coming our way very soon. Let's break down the opportunity here. Um, you say that currently intra-African trade stands at 17%. I'm sure these are calculations that you have done at an internal level, but what are we looking at um, once the FCFTA is fully operational in terms of the, just the trade and the movement of goods uh, within countries in Africa? Yeah. Uh, from, the, from the internal uh, data and analysis, we are expecting the intra-Africa trade to shoot up from 17 to 17-18% to almost 50-55% in a span of five years. This is what is, is anticipated in the near future, provided the space really starts functioning the way we anticipate it to function. So it's, it's something which is very large and it can be very, very productive for uh, us in this continent. Thank you, Pramod. Speaking from a Kenyan point of view, at least, we've seen a boom of small businesses, you know, with, with the COVID-19 pandemic, with um, a huge part of the population losing their jobs. Um, young people especially have elected to, you know, pursue other avenues to, to make a living, mostly through small businesses. What can we do to optimize sort of individual country regulations to best benefit these small businesses that are yet to grow to become SMEs under the FCFTA to reach more people regionally? As I said before, Ali, SMEs are, or rather should, be the backbone of our economic engine. Yeah? It, it's critical for us to ensure we have a decent base of SMEs. And not just from the perspective you just mentioned, individually, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. I'm not just saying from that point of view, but looking at the country perspective, the wider and the larger the SME base is, the more successful the country is. And it's in the interest of the country and its people. We need to create the infrastructure that will help the SMEs to not only survive, but be innovative, grow in that sector, in that specialization or the niche they're creating and send your products to wherever the need is in the continent, outside the continent, wherever it is. To happen, to make this happen, a lot of work needs to be done behind the scene from the government and other stakeholders, industry stakeholders like ourselves in DHL or the governments and the other uh, the other United Nations organization. And from my point of view, 
we, we need to really create um, an atmosphere, not just from the point of view of executing the business, but I think we need to ensure that the business can be done ethically, legally, compliantly, as smooth as possible. The transaction should happen as easily as it is expected without really putting a lot of conditions. So the government needs to come up with plans and processes of creating rules and regulations to enable small and medium enterprises to do their business very easily in the in the country, number one. And I mean, you are aware that every country knows its uh, uh, its SME industry and the SME industry can vary from country to country based on the available resources, available uh, infrastructure. They all need support from the government, whether it's legal uh, framework or the uh, uh, digital transformation, what is needed. Uh, I think it's important that they come up with all these I name them as competency centers. I mean, it's critical for, let's say, a country to have a competency center within uh, their space to manage the legal aspects. So a small and a medium guy has a challenge with a particular uh, uh, country or a buyer legally then he should get the support from uh, the, the competency center i can give an example today we have a case today i have at hand where a small customer has shipped vegetables from kenya to uh, to dubai and uh, he was given the proof of payment from dubai and Unfortunately, he was told that the money will hit his account in week 10 days time. He's a small farmer and he shipped four shipments and the value of the four shipments is $125,000. And today, unfortunately, the payment has not come through and the poor farmer sitting in, uh, in his remote location is not in a position to go to Dubai and fight it out because the buyer has just refused to communicate any further. Now, he doesn't know where to go. He doesn't have any infrastructure. He doesn't have a network. He doesn't know who's going to help him. It's just fortunate that we stumbled upon him uh, because we dealt with him in the past. And we have now taken the responsibility of helping this guy through our office in Dubai to see if we can identify who the buyer is and, and go after him as to understand why he has refused to pay and what can be done to fight this case on behalf of this small farmer. Otherwise, this farmer will be on the road because he doesn't have any money to pay the other farmers who help to make this shipment. This is from our own perspective. And then we, as a, a business stakeholder, we also have an organization within our company called Go Trade Initiative, where we have tied up with the German government, with GIZ, and other key stakeholders where we are picking up this vulnerable sector everywhere in every country and helping them in many ways of bringing those goods to uh, other parts of the world through our digital e-commerce platform, helping them to promote their product, giving them the encouragement like legally, like technically, 
uh, all these helps are being rendered to them and by doing so we will enable the small and medium sector to grow and become much more self-sufficient and sustainable on the long run and the same thing will happen from the government machinery because as i said the government uh, in place wants to ensure that these these smes become the backbone of the economy and that's the real plan from our side as well as the government side and we continue in this journey really great work with following up on the client in dubai to, to make sure that the farmers interest are well put together um something that you mentioned in the in the previous answer was uh the interest in the in the, in the of the private sector and that I'd like to explore this in the next question here when we look at the fcfta we are looking at um varying varying private sector interest in various countries as well as varying national interest and uh, you and I both agree that sometimes there's the the similarities in in the products or the services which um countries in Africa export internationally um what role do do do, do countries play or rather what can we do to make sure that we seamlessly implement the fcfta considering the differing interests among its countries from my point of view you are you are asking the disparity the economic disparity or the <clears throat> developmental disparity which is existing today in uh, Uh, in the continent uh, i'm sure not, some not countries really actually mm-hmm. well before before we get to the to the development it, uh, the development disparity which would specifically affect uh, the movement of of goods because of the difference infrastructure you know across yeah. the board what i'm asking here is for example um look at kenya and ethiopia both have um a common interest when it comes to to coffee and um I'm sure this this appears in other countries you know once we're able to allow the seamless uh movement of goods especially across uh, different countries in the region there are some areas where there are some countries whose demand for their products is literally going to to be affected because you can easily um flood the market with goods from from neighboring countries that's that's more of how I want to look at it okay so I I get your question so when you look at um the infrastructure being uh, there in each country you're 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 of the opinion that one country is today competing with the other country with a similar product and what would happen when the borders open up am i right yes okay so i think when the when the con- uh, this trade uh, agreement is implemented of course as you rightly said it's just go- going to open up a huge opportunity for for all the countries and all the products to compete uh, in 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 our market and i think we need to step back and look at it much more constructively to really capitalize the opportunity and not not lose time fighting between the countries or between ourselves we should not focus on uh, on fighting internally between the countries since we are producing the same 
goods and we should be looking at the opportunity uh, that is coming to the table now what i mean by that is every buyer i mean when the world is opened up or the continent is opened up every buyer looks for certain things and he wants to buy clearly those products which meet his requirements and expectations and each country today knows what is the niche they're producing you you go back to the example you just took when it comes to uh, ethiopia uh, and kenya now both of them are pretty strong players in terms of tea uh, production so when it comes to uh, the countries they realize their capabilities and their own uh, opportunities as well as the niche they are producing in the country and kenya very well realizes that they are leaders in terms of tea and coffee and is the same thing with ethiopia but i don't think we have created that niche in terms of specialization uh, for the production now what what it means is we we need to come up with the competence of producing tea coffee or whichever product you're talking about most cost effectively and you need to fulfill the requirements of your buyer and you need to be innovative in bringing new flavors new uh ways of packaging innovation and lastly you need to be digitally available for people to source it from wherever they are in the world now if you start creating these specialized uh, flavors niches and you make it value for money whether you produce it in kenya or you produce it in ethiopia the buyer will still pick it up because he will go by these parameters of the simple purchasing concept i think this is where the market will open up today kenya is exporting let's say to sri lanka or uh, internationally but then the minute you bring in the digital platform of uh, a, a, a cooperative society which is sitting in meru or wherever then the opportunity really widens up saying i am now going for the uh, herbal category of the tea i am going in for ready mixed tea i mean there are so many types of teas today and we really need to pick on what is needed create that niche create that um, cost effective product which will open up the opportunity for everybody in the in the continent and we don't need to look at it from the point of view of fighting for this space the space just becomes bigger i mean you can imagine internally we are talking of 1.2 billion uh, and today as i said is just about 17 to 18% of trade what's happening there's so much of opportunity available right again um going to the to what we talked about previously here infrastructure um and from what i am sure like with your position at dhl this is definitely something that you'd be able to to expound um largely different african countries have uh put in 
varying amount of money to to make sure that their road networks and their their seaports operate efficiently to allow you know movement of goods in and, in and out the country yeah but then we've seen gaps in terms of development so for example um the ecowas faces major challenges coming with issues in 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 ports in nigeria how do you think we should approach you know the impediment of um poor infrastructure and the fcfta to make sure that you know the region gets to benefit from the most when it comes to the movement of goods and services across yeah so there are two aspects right your first question is uh, you have some countries which are quite developed and they will be taking the advantage of it and the second part of the question is there are countries who are really not yet there and what do they need to do to catch up i hope i've understood your question yes please okay so for the for the first part where the the countries which are quite matured uh, and 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 sustainable like south africa uh, and kenya and other countries who are really in a position to take advantage of this uh, opportunity which is coming our way uh, for me they they are in a good situation and we really need to see how we can further enhance this and when i say enhance this now the the space is becoming larger in terms of attracting the international players take the example of south africa kenya and nigeria or even for that matter small country like togo or or, or anything like that every country now is going to be having equal opportunity in terms of attracting the investor attracting the entrepreneur to come and set up his own entity and of course he as an entrepreneur is going to look at it from the point of view of cost of production and he is going to look at it from the point of do- point of ease of doing business he is going to look at it from the uh, distribution cost and what sort of a skill labor do i have what is the production cost and the uh, sustainability part of it connectivity in terms of port and uh, airport all these aspects they are going to the entrepreneur or any multinational which wants to set up in these countries is going to look at it now it's true that uh, people will pick the big countries where the infrastructure is quite stable and uh, ready to yield them necessary dividends but if innovation comes in and the countries start looking at it in that aspect again in this context i am now going to take an example of rwanda for example it's a small country where the country political leadership took the decision that it is ready to give the status of no duties status of waiver of taxes on capital goods there is no corporate tax for the first 5 years 10 years there is no i mean there is no uh, withholding on capital gains all these are benefits which the entrepreneur will look for from the, from the point of view of production however small the country could be like rwanda or togo or or, or burkina faso customers or the entrepreneurs wouldn't mind looking at it to see 
am I safe in that country to go and invest and which markets can I reach? And if the government starts looking at these open opportunities, then the big companies will start creating what they call as center of excellence, where they will produce a particular commodity in a particular country on a particular location because they have the raw material available, they have the skills force available, they have the best return on their investment. Yes, they may not have the best connectivity at this point of time, but they will be in a position to create that connect connectivity and people will start investing. Take the example, I'm giving you an example of Rwanda. That's exactly what's happening in Rwanda. Take the example of, of Ethiopia. Ethiopia struggles with logistics services, but the amount of industrial parks we have, they have created 14 industrial parks. 14 industrial parks are producing 24 hours production of garments for various companies being shipped to USA, Canada, Europe, wherever it is. It's a question of governments taking the strategy, creating that platform, allowing the international players to use their country as a center of excellence. Now, going back to the example I'm saying Utopia, a, a big multinational who produces clothes or, or garments can produce it in Bangladesh. Why should they come to Ethiopia? They are coming to Ethiopia simply because the government is giving them so much of incentive. For the next 15 years, they don't have to pay anything to the government. And the government gives them labor in terms of uh, uh, cheap labor, skilled labor. It's giving them land free. It is giving them the technological transfer. It is giving them so much of benefit. So the customers are shifting their base from Bangladesh or wherever it is to Ethiopia. And the same thing is happening in Rwanda. Technologically, if you look at it, there are lots of people moving from Singapore into Rwanda. It is becoming a technological hub for whole of Africa. Why? Because the leadership is giving all the needed advantages for them to succeed. And I think this is exactly what needs to happen in every country. Every country needs to pick up their niche and provide this service to the entrepreneurs or the multinationals. And they will all come and create that niche. And through this niche, they will be in a position to not only serve the African continent, but also the larger part of the world. I mean, I don't know how far uh, you are aware. For example, uh, GSK produces certain type of uh, pharma products only in Nigeria. They don't produce anywhere else in the world. And they produce similar type of, I mean, they, they produce a specific type of uh, pharma product in Nairobi only in Nairobi because they find it very, very cost effective. They find it much more stable and they can use that production and ship it to the entire world. So you have a huge opportunity here when you start creating that infrastructure and allow people to create the center of excellence, which is how this world is operating today. And it will change the dependence on one particular supplier uh, by doing so, because then you will create the infrastructure to develop the SMEs because you're creating the center of excellence in a particular country. Automatically, the SMEs 
supplying to that product will come into the country and you will create a stronger SME and you will not depend on one global source of raw material or any uh, assembled goods or anything like that. So you will spread it out into the niche market, which is much more stable and much more healthier. I hope I answered. You, you have promoted, however, I still have concerns. And I was I was looking at it more from more from a distribution point of view uh, rather than yeah. a, a production point of view. And to phrase it better or rather to widen the scope, do you think that maybe we could have laid down better a policy infrastructure, better physical infrastructure when it comes to road networks and um, before going forward? No, uh, I think, uh, Ali, you know, um, it's like a chicken and egg story, right? Uh, you will never be ready for implementing the agreement uh, however, however you plan for it. But let me, let me assure you, when it comes to infrastructure, I agree at this point of time, we all see it to be a challenge. But let me rewind, go back five years ago, when you look back five years ago and you compare now, there is a massive transformation. Now, and I'm speaking with practical examples. When you take connectivity point of view, it is, I mean, you you want to move goods from Cape Town to uh, Tanzania or Uganda, for example. Before, it was almost impossible to move by road. Today, I can move a truckload from Cape Town to Uganda in 14 days, in Tanzania in 12 days. It is working, it is feasible. Yes, the borders are still a bit of a challenge, but if we implement the free trade, what we're talking about, then the governments at the border are really not going to take time. It should start moving much more smoother. It is the same situation between, uh, if you look at it from uh, Nigeria to, uh, I don't know, to uh, Ghana or even to Ivory Coast or Mali, uh, all these areas. We are moving today on our own Saludu platform vehicles, which is taking, as I said, 10 to 15 days, but it moves. It doesn't have really major showstoppers and Gone are those days when the, the truck would be stuck at the border for five days, six days. No. Today, I don't think you will find any truck stuck at any border more than five, six hours unless there is a breakdown or unless there is a major uh, challenge with the documentation at this point of time. But even those documentation challenge should not exist because it's going to be free trade and it's going to just flow. So. I'm convinced as far as the road network is concerned, it has caught up quite well and it will just keep moving better and better. Before, I could never move a truck from Kenya to Ethiopia. Now, I move truckloads almost every week. So, I really do not see uh, this to be a challenge uh, at this point of time. It's just going to get better and better. That's on the road. When it comes to air, we had massive challenges before. If we have to move goods from, let's say, uh, Kenya to Mwanza or Kenya to, I mean, Nairobi to Arusha, we had to go back to Europe and come into 
Arusha. Gone on those days. We have today Ethiopian Airlines connecting every airport, every nook and corner of the continent, and they are in a position to have a service almost daily. So we really do not have a challenge in air freight connectivity like before. It's moving very, very fast. And then you have a lot of entrepreneurs like Astral Aviation and other aviations who are really coming up with tailor-made solutions to meet the demand and uh, they, are, they are catering to the niche sectors, which is again going to help us to connect by air freight. And when we talk about ocean freight, yes, ocean freight has been a real bottleneck, but it's also changing. I can tell you in the past, we couldn't move from, let's say, Ghana to Nigeria or from Ghana to uh, Ivory Coast or Nigeria to Ivory Coast. It was a nightmare because it had to go back to Europe and come back again. But today, with the big uh, shipping lines using and creating uh, their transshipment hubs, it is making a huge difference. Like in the West now, MSC has created a transshipment hub in Togo. They bring a huge vessel carrying, I don't know, 5,000 containers and drop it off at Togo. And now they are creating uh, small feeder vessels from Togo to every country where the volume is. And by doing so, the connectivity has improved. So that means if somebody wants to send a container from Nigeria to Ghana or to Senegal or to Ivory Coast, it will first come to Togo. And from Togo, the same uh, feeder vessel will take it to these places on a weekly basis. So the transit time, which used to be three to four weeks going via Europe, has come down now to 10 to 12 days. So even the ocean freight connectivity has improved. And the same thing is happening in the east now. We are getting Lamu and very soon uh, China shipping will use Lamu as a transshipment hub. And when they do that, the connectivity on the east will improve tremendously. So for me, I really see this coming at the right time. And I, and I sincerely believe it will peak in the next one year or so when we should be in a position to start uh, capitalizing this huge opportunity which is coming our way. Thank you for clarifying that, Pramod. Looking at the FCFTA from a global point of view, um, how will the agreement, you know, boost trade between Africa and the world as an extension of just improving intra-regional trade? As I said before, uh, Ali, the international organizations, we are all interacting with them on a daily basis and we have uh, specific divisions who are really helping us to uh, manage these global organizations. And all these global organizations want to come closer to their consumers. If, I mean, 1.2 billion consumers is not a small number, they can't get it in their own space. They want to get closer to these uh, consumers, but the only way they can do it is coming and creating a manufacturing or a distribution hub close to their consumers based on their uptake. Now, whether you talk about Unilever, whether you talk about PNG, whether you talk about BAT, all these multinationals, they certainly want to come closer to where the consumers are. But there are 
hesitant to make the investment because they are not sure how things will unfold when the continent the free trade agreement opens up and the continent is available for doing business it will certainly allow big investors to look at it from the point of view of getting closer to the consumer and they will create a hub where like the way they have created one manufacturing place for asia one manufacturing place for uh, europe they will create a manufacturing place or a hub or a distribution hub for africa where they will capitalize on all the prerequisites i just mentioned previously in terms of the return on investment in terms of the center of excellence all these they will evaluate and they will start creating and they will start investing and this is the only way we will be in a position to allow our local infrastructure to grow and local countries to compete and make it much more viable for these multinationals to come and start operating that is the only way we will we will capitalize our own trading block plus allow our goods to reach every nook and corner of the world and having said that i think the other big transformation which needs to happen is the digital transformation we have been quite slow in the digital transformation but countries are really embracing this now quite quickly i can tell you almost all the big countries in the east and west have embarked on digital transformation and not only from the point of view of customs they have transformed their investment uh, activities their uh, legal compliant and all aspects of management uh, is coming online now and making it easy for investors to do business in these countries and this is really going to change the way we have done business in the past and make it much more attractive and bring that advantage to this continent which really has been waiting for this opportunity our last question i had for you today is um, where does dhl fit in all this how is dhl helping customers especially in my region east africa better understand the benefits of fcfta through various campaigns um this is not something uh, new to us in terms of in terms of taking such initiatives to the global level maybe uh, this opportunity is new for us but as a company we already have the infrastructure which enables us to reach out to the large audience we have or we enjoy with the global customers i'm sure you are not aware that we have a division called csi customer solutions and innovation within dhl we also have a division called dhl consulting and uh, these two arms of the organization they help large multinationals who are working with us globally to understand these changing patterns of business of uh, opportunities which are coming their way so we always take these new initiatives and explain to these global customers whenever we have an opportunity generally with all these global customers we have a quarterly business review meeting and in this quarterly re- business review meeting we have something which we present 
what we call it as uh, way forward or look ahead in that sector we enhance these opportunities and explain to them that if at all you are interested in taking your goods closer to your consumer here is an upcoming opportunity these are the benefits of the new agreement which is coming up and this is how you can do it and if they really further show interest then the dhl consulting team can really go deeper into it come up with a business case come up with a business solution and tailor make it for them and implement it uh, as they want so that's for the international audience when it comes to the local audience uh, on ground whether it's kenya or whether it's uh, ghana or nigeria what we have also done is again i go back to the basics i mentioned to you that we firmly believe at dhl that small and medium scale industry has to become the backbone of our economy and to do that we realize uh, that there has to be a specific initiative and we have embarked on this initiative called go trade and this initiative is coming right from our ceo's office where uh, the global office is helping us to track and develop all the needed smes on ground more so if the smes are women entrepreneur entrepreneurs we are more inclined to support them because they need uh, more support and they are the most vulnerable people we find and we need to support them and we have created this go trade concept in conjunction with the government of germany giz and other stakeholders where we pick in uh, countries for assistance and we support them to understand the importance and the opportunities of new uh, trade new african continental trade coming up free trade agreement coming up what it can do for you how quickly you can take your products to the market not only the african market the international market help them on the digital transformation help them from the legal point of view through our system through our e-commerce platform bring them that uh, uh, technical assistance they need all sorts of help we are trying to do from our end and we generally do this uh, education part of it through a quarterly breakfast meeting or through webinars or or, or through seminars but of course under covid it's been a challenge to have the breakfast meeting so we are trying to do it through webinars and we will continue to do so and we also encourage other stakeholders to participate in such a journey which is going to make the continent much more stronger and much more stable and sustainable which is what our ambition is and then our mission is to connect people and improve lives and this is only possible when we help every single entrepreneur whether it's small or big in the continent uh, thank you pramod this is all i had for today maybe uh before before we close is there any last words you'd like to give our listeners i think for for me as a summary yes covid has had its um, ugly impact on all of us we are struggling to cope up with uh, this virus and i think we are coming close to the fact of accepting this as uh, 
a transition uh, as a blessing in disguise where a lot of good things have overpowered the ugly aspects and yes it is true that we are struggling right now but believe me in the next couple of years to come we will be much more robust stronger more digitally transformed more innovated and more sustainable if at all something like this happens in the future i think under these circumstances we really need to be positive we need to take care of everybody in this journey we need to protect ourselves we need to be uh, cautious of what we do and how we mitigate these exposures but on the long run i'm pretty convinced there are a lot of good things coming out of this rather than the ugly part of it thank you so much pramod to our listeners that was pramod bagawadi the ceo of dhl global forwarding for sub saharan africa and we were discussing the afcfta and how it's going to benefit different african countries and businesses in the continent and we also talked a little bit about covid-19 and some of the changes it's brought and how uh, companies like dhl are on the forefront of mitigating the disruptions by the pandemic thank you so much for joining today's show my name is ali and see you next time